Today's case is about a young woman from Canada who went camping one evening, but then she just seemed to have disappeared. There are many theories about this case, so we're going to see what you think. I'm your host, Coy Atkins, and this is the story of Maddie Scott. Madison Scott went by Maddie. She was born April 29, 1991, and she is the middle child of the family. She had an older brother named Ben and a younger sister named Georgia. Growing up, Maddie enjoyed doing just about anything that involved being outdoors. She rode dirt bikes, figure skated, rode horses, and she just enjoyed hanging out with friends. Throughout high school, she made short films with her friends, and they would range from class projects to horror films to funny videos. And many of her friends and family members described her as being very playful and extremely social. As May 27, 2011 approached, Maddie was supposed to have plans with her cousin Cora, but the day before, she canceled those plans so that she could go to a party at Hogsback Lake with her friend Jordy. Maddie and Jordy have been friends since 2007 when they met in school. Like a lot of friendships do, theirs kind of drifted apart when they graduated in 2009, but they still remained friends. On May 27th, Maddie and Jordy went to the party at Hogsback Lake. There were about 50 people at the party and Maddie only knew a few other people that were there. Aside from the party, Maddie and Jordy planned to camp out at the lake afterwards, so they brought a tent with them. When they went to set the tent up, they realized that they forgot the poles to hold the tent in place, so Maddie drove back home to grab the poles. There, she talked to her mother, Dawn, who told her to be safe and that she loved her. But at that time, Dawn had no idea that that would be the last time that she would see Maddie. As the party was going on, Maddie decided to call it at night and go lay down in the tent around 11 p.m. Around midnight, there was some arguing from the party and a fight broke out. Jordy was intoxicated at that time and she was slightly injured from falling into the fire, so she tried to convince Maddie to leave with her and her boyfriend. But Maddie was already in her sleeping bag and she said that she was just going to call it a night and go to bed. Jordy and her boyfriend, they ended up leaving, and by 1.40 in the morning, everyone else, they also began leaving the party. People stopped and asked Maddie if she wanted a ride to leave with them, but she said that she was going to stay and she was just going to sleep in the tent. Around 8.30 in the morning, Jordy and her boyfriend returned to the tent so that they could grab Jordy's clothes and sleeping bag before Jordy had to go to work. When Jordy arrived at the campsite, Maddie's white 1990s Ford pickup was still parked in front of the tent. The tent was unzipped and Maddie wasn't in there. Jordy didn't think much of it at the time. Maddie could have been out for a walk around the lake or she could have ended up leaving the party with somebody else. At around 10.30 that same morning, the host of the party was out cleaning up the area, and he saw Maddie's tent. To him, it looked like the tent was still zipped up, and he never checked or looked inside because he figured Maddie was still asleep inside. But later that night, there was another party in the same spot on the lake. 
This one was much larger than the one the night prior, with about 150 people there, including Maddie's younger sister, Georgia. Georgia also realized that Maddie wasn't at that party, but her truck and tent were still there. The next day, May 29th, 2011, Maddie's parents went to the campsite. They found her truck and tent abandoned. Then Maddie wasn't answering her phone, so her parents reported her missing to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police around noon. The police responded and the search for Maddie was underway. Hogsback Lake in the area around it was searched extensively. The surface area of the lake is about 128 acres and the deepest part is about 22 feet deep. The police had divers all throughout the lake and boats using sonar equipment. The perimeter of the lake and surrounding woods was all searched by people on foot, on horses, canines were brought in to attempt a track, and a helicopter flew around the area. Days drug on, and there were no signs of Maddie. And eventually the search was called off. Police began tracking down everyone that was at the party on May 27th. They were actually able to account for every single person. They interviewed them, and everyone even did a polygraph test with the police, including Jordy. Police then turned around and they located and interviewed everyone that was at the party the next night, the 150-person party. And the majority of all of those people also agreed to do polygraph interviews with police. After all of the interviews that were done, police were not able to determine if anyone at the party was responsible for Maddie's disappearance. Police collected all of Maddie's belongings from the campsite to process for any evidence, including her truck. Even though Jordy went back and retrieved her sleeping bag, they collected that as well. They did find a small amount of blood in Jordy's sleeping bag, but that was determined to have been Jordy's blood that came from a small injury on her ankle. But there was no evidence that was able to be collected from her belongings that would point the RCMP to an answer. And this is where the theories started coming into play. No one believed that Maddie ran off to get away from home or to start a new life. Even though she was a very independent person, she was very close with her family, and she checked in with them often. There also didn't seem to be anything in the campsite that would have forced her to walk away, like no tires on her truck were flat or any other mechanical issues with the truck that would have made her stranded where she had to walk off. While there were cougars spotted in the area, an animal attack also didn't seem to be a logical explanation either, since there was no signs of any sort of struggle. Then. There's the thought that she may have been in the lake, either from foul play or an accidental drowning. But the RCMP doesn't think that she is. They use teams of divers and the sonar equipment to go up and down the lake searching for Maddie. And much of the lake is pretty clear to see through, and the deepest part is 22 feet. They even used cadaver dogs walking around the edge of the lake, and they didn't alert to anything. So the police were pretty confident that she is not in the lake. Ruling out an animal attack or being in the lake, the RCMP believes that foul play was involved. There were no signs of any sort of struggle at the camp, but there were two key things missing from the campsite. Anytime that I go somewhere, I'm always checking for three things as I walk out the door. My phone, wallet, and keys. Two of those three things were missing from Maddie's campsite. Her phone and keys, and her purse was left behind. So, investigators were working on the theory that she may have left willingly with someone that she knew. But a big question is, what would have happened to make her want to leave? According to Jordy, 
Maddie didn't want to leave with her because she was already in the sleeping bag getting ready to go to bed for the night. Then she declined rides from other people at the party as they were leaving. Now, there were two guys at this party, and their names aren't released, but I'll get a little creative here and call them Guy 1 and Guy 2. According to Don, Guy 1 was someone that Maddie was interested in dating for a while. However, that guy wasn't interested in dating her, and he just wanted to remain friends. Guy 2 had the opposite situation. He was interested in dating Maddie, but she just wanted to be friends with him and not date. Now, both of these guys were at the party. They were both interviewed and investigated. It's not believed that they had any involvement, but at the same time, nothing is completely ruled out. Both guys are people that she was friends with, so it may have been possible that she left the campsite with one of them, and then something happened later. But again, this is just another working theory. Even though it's possible that Maddie may have been abducted by a complete stranger, the RCMP doesn't necessarily believe it was a stranger. Hogsback Lake is a pretty remote area. There were people at the party that Maddie and Jordy didn't know, but the odds of a completely random person coming across a remote lake during the hours when Maddie was alone are pretty slim. But there is one person that has been linked to this case that would have been a complete stranger. And finding a random person in a remote location, it was kind of his M.O. If you like true crime stories, then I think you'll like my book One Moment. Or at least, I hope you'll like it. While it's not a true crime story, it does have a mystery and suspense element to the story. The book is available on Amazon as a paperback copy or an ebook. And the link is in the show notes. And what goes so well with reading a book? A good cup of coffee. Recently, I've been drinking coffee from Barney's Coffee and Tea Company. I've been drinking the creamy, buttery caramel flavor, which is hands down my favorite so far. And if you'd like to try some coffee from Barney's, the Amazon link to order some is also in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Israel Keys is a serial killer from Alaska who's believed to have killed over eight victims. While Hogsback Lake would have been a 33-hour drive from where Israel lived, a few days after Maddie's disappearance, Israel flew to Chicago, rented a car, and then drove over a thousand miles to murder a completely random couple that he found. After he was arrested and interviewed, Israel told investigators, I would let my victims come to me in some very remote locations. While Maddie's situation would kind of make sense for her to be a victim of Israel Keys, he has not been officially linked to Maddie's case, and this is just another theory again, as there also hasn't been any evidence that would put him in Canada. And the last theory that we have on Maddie's disappearance was that it's connected to the Highway of Tears case. Now, I'm going to have another episode later on that dives more into the Highway of Tears. But the Highway of Tears refers to a portion of Highway 16 that connects Prince George and Prince Rupert in British Columbia. In between those two towns is Vanderhoof and Hogsback Lake. Since 1970, several women along that stretch of land have disappeared or have been found murdered. 
And depending on who you ask, the number ranges anywhere from 18 to 83 victims. But one key person in the Highway of Tears case is Bonnie Joseph. Bonnie went missing in 2007 after hitchhiking in Vanderhoof. She hasn't been seen since, but her wallet and ID were found by a nearby lake. While there are lots of theories in this case and very little answers, the main thing is this, Maddie is still missing. The hope right now is that someone from the party will remember seeing or hearing something and will come forward to police. While everything seems to lead to a dead end, that really does seem to be the best hope right now. And this brings us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. Thank you for listening.